guys. Welcome to a third installment of our eight-part series. Uh, today we're going to be covering the AFC South, uh, the Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Indianapolis Colts, and Houston Texans. Before we get into it, though, uh, not football-related, but it is related to Detroit. The Red Wings have a new man in charge. Uh, Steve Eisenman goes back to the Red Wings this time. He's the GM, um, and Adam is a big fan of the Red Wings, and I know uh, you loved watching him play growing up. I know I loved watching him play growing up, and I'm not even a fan. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on the new move that they made? I mean, it, it was basically – it's been a long time coming. Uh, ever since he left, I think, 2010 – um, we, we were hoping this would happen, and it's, it's basically been writing on the wall since last summer when he basically announced that he was going to step down from general manager duties, um, and, and it's I couldn't be any more happier. I mean, Ken Holland hasn't necessarily done a bad job. I mean, we won three Stanley Cups with him. Uh, he, he Even though we haven't made the playoffs the last couple of years, he hasn't really been doing – nothing wrong. I mean, he hasn't made the big free agent signing that we were hoping to, but it's not like he hasn't tried. Um, I don't know if you know, but at, like the year that Stamkos was about to hit for agency, we were actually going to offer him the biggest contract we've ever actually ever offered anybody. And then he ended up signing with Tampa the day before free agency was set. So it's not like the effort hasn't been there, but it was just it, 22 years, is a long time to be uh, the general manager of one team. And it was just time to move on. I mean, he's more of an old school cat where he is, he, he's too rely or he, he's too, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to say it. it was just, he's, he's too loyal to like the veteran guys, the aging guys um, that, that we should be having the young guys in there and seeing what they're doing instead of pulling them in the minors while we're signing Vanek and, you know, uh, basically any other guy that's, just about done. I mean, the Vanek signing, when he, we signed him the first time a couple years ago, he was great. This time we see that it kind of burned us, but it's just, he's too loyal. Um, and there is a thing being too loyal. And I think Iserman, what I took away from the press conference today, he he made a lot of promises without sending anything in stone. Like he, he promised that, you know, we are going to get back to where we once were, which was amazing. 25 years is amazing. And anybody that's smart, knew that the time was coming to an end where we would have our struggles. You know, you can only go and be in the playoffs so many years, win so many years, yeah. get deep in the playoffs, you know, too many years and not getting the high draft pick where eventually you're not just, you're just not going to find those superstar guys. And Eisenman's, I, he's, he's been, he's one of the greatest players really ever. I mean, you know, you, I don't think you consider him top five, but you could argue top 10 and uh, he knows what to look for in talent and, I'm super excited to see what he's going to do. You know, he, he hasn't gave us, you know, he said there's really no timetable right now uh, that he can give us of when everything's be turned around, but he likes the core pieces, you know, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, um, you know, Sedina. And then we got the sixth pick this year. We have three second round picks, 10 total draft picks. I mean, I, I love that the future's in his hands. You've seen what he did in Tampa Bay, even though they did get swept, they, they tied his team's record for most wins in, in a season. And I, I do expect that one day within a foreseeable future that we will be basically like Tampa Bay. I mean, Eisenman knows – he knows hockey. You know, there's, some, there's guys that's played hockey. There are guys that know hockey. And then there's guys that know basically everything. And Eisenman is one of those guys. Eisenman, he could probably go right now if he wanted to and coach a team and 
just for him being the coach alone can probably go win the Stanley Cup because he's just he's no knowledge, he's so knowledgeable about the game, you know how to handle situations, uh, you know uh, observing players and who he think would be best in those situations, and it, it's it's gonna be a good time. I mean, honestly, the, the the core pieces we do have right now, it wouldn't really surprise me if maybe we snuck into the playoffs next year. Yeah, no doubt about that. He's he's definitely got an eye for talent. He is. Um... Stamkos was there uh, before he before he became the GM in Tampa. But guys like Nikita Kucherov, uh, he was responsible for helping bring guys like Ryan McDonough. Um, he drafted Andre Palat uh, and Andre Vasilevsky, guys like that. Like a lot of the core pieces, aside from Steven Stamkos, um, have been under his under his reign in, in Tampa. And obviously, they've aside from this year, they've built. Uh, well, I mean, even this year too, they've they they were awesome. Sixty-two wins in the regular season. They, they just kind of crept out in the playoffs, but um, they they've built a monster team. So even with uh, even with what happened in the playoffs this year, they're going to be back and contending again next year. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They uh, were favorites to win the cup this year. I mean, they're not. Um, I haven't. I don't have the full list of who their UFAs and RFAs are, and I'm sure whoever they are, they're. They're either not going to lose much, or they're just going to find replacements. But um, yeah, they he he definitely built a, a pretty nice squad over there in Tampa, and it's nice to see him kind of go back home. Um, yeah, that 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 was huge. That's the thing. Like he's we're the only team he's ever played for. You know, actually, he's actually played played for. And then even after he retired, he was still with us for four years in the office. So it's good. And like honestly, since he's left us and went to Tampa Bay. He's basically been a top three to five GM in hockey. I mean, he's had 300 wins, you know, a couple playoff appearances, you know, deep playoff runs. And, and that's what we need over here, you know, after lacking the last three years. Yeah, it's 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 weird seeing – it's weird not seeing Detroit in the playoffs. But uh, you guys will get back there. I have confidence in that. Uh, let's get on to today's pod, though. Um, again, we're talking about the AFC South talking about a if you've been following along with us um we are going over a player gm coach um, positional coach that needs the best haul from this draft to, to be successful uh we're talking about an ideal target and a sleeper for each team and then we're talking about uh not really talking about but mentioning their top three needs each team so um we'll kick it off with we'll go with the tennessee titans i'll start us off here um my a uh, guy that needs the draft hall to be successful would be uh, Marcus Mariota. He is entering the final year of his rookie contract, which is actually the fifth year uh, he signed. Or not he signed. Um, Tennessee did pick up his fifth-year option last year, and throughout his four-year career, he's basically been kind of average at best, but at the same time, he's never really had a clear-cut number one receiving threat outside of Delaney Walker. But Delaney Walker is... He's a great tight end, and he's, he's he's as good as they come. But injuries have really gotten the best of him. Corey Davis out there is a solid wide receiver. Um, he's he's a good fit with Mariota. But um, and in free agency, they did go out and sign Adam Humphrey, Adam Humphreys. But they're not like they're not knock your socks off type of players. They're they're good in the right system. Uh, Corey Davis, I think, can be a star in this league. But I mean, Mariota kind of needs to help him out. Um, and Speaking of Adam Humphreys, he actually chose Tennessee over New England, which is kind of shocking. But uh, that's definitely, I mean, he wants to go there and, and, and help out Mariota. And, I mean, he got kind of a big paycheck too. But um, 
with the playmaking talent available in this draft, I'd expect that the Titans are probably going to grab a few. Uh, I could see Noah Fant going there. Either of the old Miss wide receivers, uh, Nikhil Harry, any of them, uh, should be or when the Titans pick at 19. And just hopefully they could turn things around because uh, him and Jameis Winston, who we'll probably talk about when we do the NFC uh, South, is they just they they need to do something. Um, they definitely need some help, and they're both they're both on their fifth year options and basically getting a getting another chance with their teams that drafted them. But they need they kind of need big years this year to continue in this league and and, and get a nice payday next June. Yeah, and, and I am Marcus Mariota down, too. I mean, he's had long enough to prove that he's a franchise quarterback. You know, year in and year out, he's shown flashes, but can never pull it all together. And as you said, this is a fifth-year option. This might be his final opportunity. I mean, they brought in Ryan Tannehill through trade, and I honestly I, – I think this was more of a uh, low-key, if you don't win, you're on the bench type situation because we have seen Tannehill with – you know, little talent around him go out and and win games for Miami. You know, granted, he hasn't been Tom Brady. He hasn't been, you know, Aaron Rodgers, but he has won. And I think that's what really appealed to the Titans when they, when you know, they found out that he was on the market. He was available for, you know, a, a later round draft pick. And I, I wouldn't be surprised that if – if Murray Oder struggles, that he goes and gets benched for Tannehill. I mean, this draft is huge. I mean, they do need uh, they do need to get him some tight end help. You know, Delaney Walker's been injured and stuff, and we'll get. In, I'm going to get in that later. But uh, the, yeah, he hasn't had a lot of support. But the thing is, though, there has been other quarterbacks that hasn't had that much support. And you know, look at Tom Brady. I mean, other than Randy Moss, who has he really had? And, and Gronkowski, who's he really had ever? And, and he's won six Super Bowls. I mean. You can't really put that as an excuse too much. And uh, I do think those excuses are going to end up coming to an end sometime this season, especially with a loaded potential draft class at quarterback next year. Yeah, definitely true. Um, speaking of this draft class, though, the ideal targets getting into that, um, I kind of already mentioned a few ideal targets, but if I have to choose one, I'm probably going to go with Noah Fant here. Uh, he's sort of the consolation prize for tight ends. Um, I think, well, not really, because Hawkinson is the uh, Hawkinson and Fant are kind of the one A, one B. I guess Irv Smith would really be the consolation prize, but um, it's not really a bad thing this year. Even even outside those three tight ends that I mentioned, there's still some good talent there. Uh, but with Delaney on the field. Uh, with Noah Fant, that would give Mariota two inside options to move the chains, especially with Mariota's strengths, uh, with with him running the ball with his legs and just hitting targets over the middle. Uh, without Delaney, it's still a legit target to help Mariota cash in next summer, whether that be with uh, with the Titans or not. I mean, like I said, he has to have a big year. Um, his third year, no, his fourth year last year was actually one of his better years, and now a fifth year option. As as you know, is a uh, it's a little different than an extension per se. Um, but he played well, and Tennessee decided to pick up his fifth year option, kind of give him another chance, and and maybe he could feed off of that and going into where he actually is going to be hitting free agency. Uh, they call it the contract year. Um, let's let's see what happens there. So uh, Noah Fant will be a perfect target at nineteen. A sleeper that I have for him is. Uh, Actually, let's have you talk about your uh, ideal target first. Well, basically, I'm in the same ballpark as you. My ideal target for the Titans is either one of the Iowa Titans. 
an upgrade is needed over Delaney due to his age and injury history. And grabbing one of the Iowa tight ends will give Mariota another target to possibly help him succeed and somewhat turn his career around. Even though he hasn't put up really stinkers, he hasn't shown that he's been the number two, oh, no, you know, number two overall pick. And uh, that, that's I think this is what this draft is going to be for. I think there's you know they do have to shore up the the defensive side of the ball quite a bit, but you would have to imagine going into his fifth year. The, the manager has to be looking like, all right, we're going to do everything in our power this year to at least show, like, if, if this year is taking another step and getting an Iowa tight end who they can stretch the field. Then, and as you said, they're both one A and one B. I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. And I do think if either one of their, or either one of them are there at nineteen, I think management runs their card up and just takes one. All right. Do you want to talk about your sleeper? Because it seems like um, we're getting we're getting some of the same answers. So I'll let you kick us off and kind of set the tone for the sleeper here. Well, I mentioned defensive help, um, and they do need somebody on the defensive line. I mean, they have um, Jarrell Casey, but they really don't have much across from him. They really don't have much next to him. And um, so I'm going John Kaminsky from uh, University of Charleston. He's a small school defensive lineman who can get to the running back, and he isn't that bad against the run either. He's not – what you would call a run stuffer, but you can leave him on the field all three downs if you needed to, and he would suffice. And there, there, there's questions about him going against higher levels of talent due to him playing at smaller school. But if he can, if if he can do half as good against uh, NFL talent as he did in college against the smaller school guys, man, Tennessee's going to get a steal because they can get him in rounds four to seven. Yeah, I'm staying on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I went with Justice Hill, the running back out of Oklahoma State. Uh, Derrick Henry, he sort of came on at the end of last year, and I'm not completely replacing him. Um, He even came on as much as to single-handedly win some people their fantasy championships last year. I mean, if you had him in in those uh, couple weeks where he just kind of went on a tear, I'm I'm assuming that you won. Um, A lot of people did have him on their bench, though, and and I know that firsthand. But uh, for the type of back that Justice Hill is, he would basically come in and kind of be that one-two punch with Derrick Henry. Uh, Now, I know last year they did go out and sign Deion Lewis, uh, but he does have an out in his contract after this year. So come next offseason, if they decide to cut ties with Lewis, um, they can have – a three-headed monster this year with Lewis, Henry, and Hill, but next year kind of have that one-two punch with uh, with Hill and Henry, and just kind of just kind of take the pressure off of Henry. Um, he's he is a bigger back and and going to need some rest, and uh, just want to try to keep him healthy and his motor going. So uh, I think somewhere along the line in this draft they do take they do take a running back, and uh, especially with that option that they have on Lewis next year. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because I don't really think Derrick Henry can be a three-down back just because he's more of a bruiser guy, and those guys do tend to wear down later in games. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, dig, I, I really dig the pick. Um, are your top three needs more offensive heavy than defensive heavy? Uh, I mean, mathematically, yes. I have two offensive and one defensive. Um, I'll, I'll just list them. I got wide receiver number one, tight end number two. I – was actually thinking about putting those two together, kind of just calling a playmaker and then coming up with a fourth position. But I decided just to have A, wide receiver, B, tight end, and C as edge rusher um, for kind of the same reasons that you touched on. But they they basically have to 
they got to be able to get to the other quarterbacks, not just in their division, but just overall. Um, but in their division, obviously, they got Andrew Luck. He was tied for the least sacked quarterback last year that played every game. I think Drew Brees was the other one. Uh, Jags' new quarterback, Nick Foles, um, he was also sacked very little times, but he obviously he didn't play the whole season. But even in the games that he played, he wasn't sacked that much. And Deshaun Watson, who actually was sacked the most last season, and but I'm pretty sure that the Texans are going to address that need. And uh, so they're, they're going to have to get to the quarterback. So edge rushers, who I have as their, their number three. Yeah, see, I went more defensive um, heavy to the two legs. And the top two needs I have for them are nose tackle and corner. Uh, the nose tackle, they have to go and get to the quarterback. I mean, the quarterbacks in their vision are too mobile to not have guys breaking through the offensive line and at least applying some pressure. No, I'm not even saying that you have to just you have to sack quarterback. You need to at least put pressure on these guys because Watson, Luck, Foles, they can shoot me out the pocket. They can extend the play, and that's just that's spelling a loss right there. I mean, you can't have quarterbacks running out freely and having all day to throw or making their own plays. And then corner, they do have a Dory Jackson. They have Logan Ryan. But their secondary still wasn't all that good last year. I do think they addressed that need somewhere somewhat early in the draft. And then at number three, I have tight end. Um, I was kind of thinking the same thing as you going tight end slash wide receiver because they do need to play. But I, I believe – I think I'm higher on Adam Humphreys than some people is. I do believe Humphreys can go in and be a solid number two, even though he'll probably working out of the slot most of the time. But – uh. Tight end Pacific, I think, is a bigger up me just because, as I said, you know, Delaney Walker's age, he hasn't been on the field really. And, uh, and Titans are basically the quarterback security blanket. Yeah, no doubt about that. To, a lot of the successful teams have had a, um, or not even successful teams, but just successful quarterbacks have had a guy to kind of check the ball down to if they don't have anything open downfield. Obviously, one of the best combinations in the history of the NFL is is Philip Rivers and uh, and Antonio Gates. And even though he hasn't personally won a championship, um, having having a guy like Antonio Gates to throw the ball to is just it. I mean, it just helps your Hall of Fame resume career just kind of take off. Um, Next, we'll go on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I have a feeling that we're going to have a few of the same answers in this one as well. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you start us off and and get us kicked off. That way, I'm kind of feeding off you. Well, I'm somewhat. I was kind of torn on who needs the biggest, you know, who needs the biggest draft, but I'm gonna go Leonard Fournette, uh, just because Fournette he has all the talent in the world, but he can't stay healthy. You know, with the signing of Nick Foles, that should take some pressure off of Fournette. You know, going with Bortles, I feel like they have 20-plus times and more than not over them 20 times. And uh, Jacksonville won't have to run into the ground, which is means he should stay healthier. Outside of left tackle, the offensive line isn't that bad by any means. It's just he just simply can't stay on the field. Um you know, he, he can use a left tackle. He can use a tight end who can block, which would give him basically an extra offensive lineman. And a stud wide receiver would make his job easier as well, just for some reason is he wouldn't have to worry about having people stack the box. He wouldn't have to have, he wouldn't have to worry about people, you know, basically feeding him the ball every play, every play, every play. He'd actually be able to just, you know, handle the ball 15 times a game, stay healthy, and – not have to carry the team back because he's basically, even though he hasn't been on the field, he's ha- when he when he hasn't been, he's had to carry that team on his back 
because nobody trusted Bortles enough to have Bortles throw 30, 40 times a game. And when they did, we all seen how that turned out. So while I do agree with you on Fournette, he definitely needs to have a uh, definitely needs to have some talent or some actually he needs some protection around him to help keep him healthy. I'm gonna go with their with their new guy, uh, the man in charge, Nick Foles. Uh, the Blake Bortles experience is over, and Nick Foles does get another chance to start in the NFL. This time around, he has a Super Bowl MVP and championship under his belt. It's now up to the Jaguars brass to surround him with the talent to succeed. And while I do believe he's a better quarterback than Bortles, the talent around him isn't exactly top-notch. I'm not as high on the wide receivers uh, and even Fournette as a lot of people are. Uh, personally, in fantasy this year, I'm probably not touching any Jacksonville Jaguar at all unless it's an IDP league. Um, I'm really not touching anybody on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, without jumping ahead to my ideal target uh, for the Jags is – a, he's a player in the trenches, uh, but tight end TJ Hawkinson isn't a bad way to start off the draft class either. I could also see Jacksonville taking a wide receiver or two somewhere along uh, with a running back. Um, Fournette hasn't played a full season yet, and he was involved in some off-field, albeit minor, incident this past week. Uh, the team said that they're not going to discipline him, but the sorcerer, Roger Goodell, who knows what he's going to do. Uh, so definitely, I mean, they could go a lot of ways. I did have some options here. Um, but I think Nick Foles, Nick Foles has to be the number one there just because he, he's coming into a new team and he kind of just needs the, he kind of just needs the, the draft to, to kind of fall into place. So he has more people to throw it to. Yeah. And uh, honestly, so many people are, and I, I'm not giving anything away, but I'm going to be one of them. So set on having Jacksonville at seven take, you know, a guy, you know, an offensive tackle or a lineman. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's not how they went, though. I mean, honestly, getting getting full of some weapons because, you know, the, the weapons for the Eagles and the weapons that Jacksonville have now, it's a huge edge to Philadelphia. So and I'm wondering if a game manager like Foles would be able to succeed with less talent around him. You know, he doesn't have Jeffrey. He doesn't have, you know, at the time he had Golden Tate, even though they didn't use him well, he at least had some faith we could dunk it off to Golden Tate and see what happens. And outside of Fournette, who can't stay healthy, they really have nobody at running back. So it is going to be something to definitely look at. Yeah, no doubt. And and Fournette, Jacksonville does have the better run game. Um, they have the better defense. So that should hopefully help him out, give him the ball in his hands a little bit more. But they nobody really scares me on the outside. Uh, I know they – they got DJ Chark from last year. I know he didn't do much last year. Um, D.D. Westbrook, I mean, he's he's a solid player. I just, like I said, fantasy-wise, if we're talking about fantasy, I'm probably not taking anybody um, as a whole. I mean, who knows how they gel together. Uh, obviously, fantasy is a lot different than reality. Um, so, I mean, if it works for them and, and to help them win some games, and especially being in, quote, a weaker division that's, probably one of the weakest divisions that's in the league. Um, the, this quarter, just the single quarterback in Nick Foles can, can help turn this team around. Uh, I know you kind of touched on it. I kind of touched on it. Uh, the ideal target, I think we're talking about the same person. Um, Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle out of Florida. Is that who you got? Yes, sir. All right. So uh, I'll get into mine. You get into yours, and then we'll move on to our sleepers. Uh, so aside from the new toys for Foles to play with, he needs to be protected. Uh, what better way to do that than with the top offensive line prospect in this draft at number seven? It's not 
really a reach pick. It's a player that will most likely be there when they do pick with uh, the the six in front of them, probably going to be mostly defense, uh, Haskins and Murray. And Taylor would be able to stay in his home state of Florida. It's it's a perfect fit. Everything just kind of lines up. I'm sure that Jacksonville will be in, in Florida and him playing in Florida. They, they've had scouts at probably almost every game for him. And it's it's one of those, uh, it's starting to become, and, and we've talked on this in, in a few other pods, but it's starting to become one of those uh, locket and permanent marker picks. Um, basically, Kyler Murray's one of them at number one. Uh, then it's kind of like shuffled around between picks two, three, and four. Any one of those defensive players could go there. Five's kind of shuffled around. Six is, six is kind of unanimously Haskins. And it's become, it's going. So, uh, would it, I mean, Obviously, yours is Jawan Taylor, but what's your notes on him? Well, basically, it's almost identical as yours. So I'm going to keep it short. The hometown boy, um, you can never go wrong with taking, you know, the hometown kid, especially if he's talented like Jawan Taylor is. And you also can't go wrong protecting your quarterback. You know, grabbing Taylor would give the Jags a solid all-around offensive line, which would be key for them to get in the playoff pitch, you know, uh, it help it benefit Fournette, it benefit Foles. So Foles isn't getting killed in the pocket, and um, that's that's going to be key. I mean, the defenses in the in the South are getting a little bit better. I mean, you you have to worry about JJ, you have to worry about Clowney. Um, the Colts' defense is coming up now, and it seems like you know it, it, you're right. It's basically a lot that Juwan Taylor's going to be the seventh pick, unless somebody offers Jacksonville a King's ransom for that pick where they want to pass up on the offensive, the offensive line. And that's to, like, for me is the most talented in the draft by far. I don't think Jonah Williams comes close to him. Like some other people do. I think he's by far and away the best one it's Taylor and then everybody else. And if, if I was Jacksonville, I would be, if it's today a week before the draft, well, six days before the draft, if, you know, if I already have him penciled in basically in, in circle, this is our guy, you know, I, I wouldn't move unless I'm getting quite a bit back because you need to focus on who's going to improve your team overall. And even though Jawan Taylor is only an offensive tackle, he, a defensive tackle is in a very important position and it can, it can just benefit everybody on the offense. And it can, we, we've seen how Andrew Luck did, you know, with a great offense, even though he has been good with a bad offensive line, he stayed healthy, though, you know. So that's it's, it's going to be key. I was actually going to say, I was actually going to say something about that. You kind of you touched on the team that I was going to say, but I was actually going to say that last year, um, the Colts took the guard at number six, and that's I mean, it, that's the interior side of the line. That and tackle, I think most people would agree that uh, is more important, especially the left side protecting your quarterback's blind side. Um, but like, just, I mean, if, if that's your guy, if he's there, you take him. Uh, the only, honestly, the only reason, the only reason he wouldn't be there is, is if say, uh, New York goes out and, and trades for Rosen and, and they want to protect him and they go and they grab Joan at number six. Other than that, I don't see any of the top five taking Joan, and uh, and I, as of right now, I don't see New York taking taking them. Um, even if they do trade for Rosen, I, I wouldn't. I'd imagine that they'd probably go defense or, or a weapon for for him with that number six pick. So there's, it's almost a it's almost a lock that he's there. Uh, my sleeper that I got is Miles Gaskins, uh, the running back from Washington. Um, 
again, it all goes back to Fournette. It's really hard to imagine that Fournette's going to ever play a 16-game season. So the Jags, they do have to do something at the running back position. I'm not saying he's going to come in and replace him completely, but uh, TJ Yeldon, he's a free agent who's been visiting with other teams. Alfred Blue and Thomas Rawls are currently on the roster, but they're not really number one material. Gaskins, like many of the other running backs in this draft, have a later round grade. So Jacksonville is able to address some needs, uh, stock up earlier in the draft, and then pick up a running back later on. Uh, Through his four-year college career, he's got over 5,000 yards rushing, 62 total touchdowns. Um, and he's he's played all four four years, and as you can see, he's definitely got some mileage on his tires. But at the same time, he's basically been as reliable as they come. So um, it's it's kind of a kind of one of those uh, you could look at the bad side or you could look at the good side. He's he's played a lot. He's got a lot of lot of uh, tread on those tires, but um, he's he, he's always been there. I don't. He doesn't really have a huge injury history. Um, and he'd, he'd come in and, and kind of give uh, Jacksonville that one-two punch with Fournette as well. Yeah, and I like that. And I was thinking about going running back, too, as a sleeper. But, uh, no, Gaskins, I think even though he does have, as you said, a lot of mileage on his tires, you go and you get him and you pair him with Fournette, who's another injury, who's an injury-prone running back, and if you're having them each have about 15 carries apiece or one's having 15 carries one game and another one having 10 or 11 – Next thing you know, both of these guys are playing 15, 16 games. You know, you're keeping Fournette healthy. You're keeping, you know, Gaskins basically refreshed. You're not adding on basically 250 carries on him his rookie year after he's had quite a few carries since he has been a four-year player. But um, I want Josh Oliver, the Titan from San Jose State. He's a very raw prospect, but he oozes potential. Um he needs a lot of help as a blocker. And I know earlier I said getting Fournette a uh, tight end that can block a help. But I do think he'll end up at least being serviceable when it's all said and done as a blocker. He does show a willingness for it, so it's not like he's scared to get in there and get popped. But uh, at the end of the day, once once he has a time to develop, he could be a dangerous player because right now he can stretch the field. He can make huge plays. And if if he turns into even – into a Jimmy Graham type player, and he's six five. If you go and get him in rounds four of the six, which he's projected to go, that's a very good player to get. You know, four, five, six years from now. Yeah, and again, any any time that you can add uh, add some add some firepower to this offense to help to help your new quarterback out, Nick Foles out. Uh, that's that's definitely not a bad thing at all. Uh, my top three needs are on the offensive side of the ball. I got offensive line as a whole. Uh, wide receiver, and then tight end. Um, again, it's one of those things where I was thinking about putting wide receiver and tight end together, um, but decided to separate them and and kind of just kind of just have them have them like that. But it's a uh, offensive line, wide receiver, tight end. Definitely, definitely could use some off. I mean, there's not really many holes on defense, uh, and the holes that are on defense are just more depth related. So uh, I definitely think that a lot of this draft has to be offense from them. Yeah, and mine are basically identical. Number one is I have, instead of offensive line, I have offensive tackle. At two, I have tight end. And three, I have wide receiver. Um, Tight end is number two for me because, for me, I just view as we see a lot of these quarterbacks, they don't need that top receiver if they have a really good tight end. You know, we've seen it with Brady. We've seen it with Tony Romo. We see, you know, even though he did have Dez 
And um, he did have others, but, you know, he relied on Jason Wynn a lot. And, to, um, excuse me, Phillip Rivers, we've seen what he's really done. Like, even though he had, he has had Keenan Allen, he has had other receivers. Who did he always rely on, though? It was Antonio Gates. We've seen teams doing it with Tony Gonzalez. And that's why I had tight end number two, because even though a lot of people disagree, I do view tight end, a good tight end, a little bit higher than a wide receiver. Okay, yeah, I, I mean – I definitely see it. He's like you said, um, they're they're the perfect safety blanket. Somebody that just goes over the middle. Your most of your tight ends are gonna be six five plus, so you got that big body size against a a, a, a smaller stocky linebacker or a skinny cornerback, and you just you just have mismatch air or mismatches there. So uh, it's definitely definitely good uh, good reasoning. Uh, moving on to the Colts, uh, number one, just want to say Andrew Luck is back. Um, it, it was exciting to watch him play this year. I I took him really late in my uh, in my three keeper redraft league that I have, and um, I'm definitely 100% keeping him this season coming up. And uh, I'm excited to have him on my team. So, uh, but for the Colts, um, the guy I have is actually their defensive coordinator, uh, Matt Alberflus, I believe it's pronounced. Um, in four of their six games, in four of their six regular season losses, uh, the Colts gave up 35 or more points. Uh, and then in the divisional round versus the Chiefs, they gave up another 31. Uh, defenses always seem to be the Achilles heel for the Colts, even back in the Peyton Manning days. Um, don't get me wrong, though. This year, they definitely did. They, they weren't one of the worst defenses, um, and, and not all of the blame goes on the defense. Uh, they did have a shutout against Dallas. They lost a low-scoring stinker, 6 nothing to the Jags. They gave up only five points to the Bills. And between the two games with the Titans, they've only allowed 27 points. So not saying that the defense didn't show up, uh, but just if you had to choose a weak spot on this team, it's definitely the defense. The offense, basically, I mean, I'd assume that they'd be looking at some depth, uh, maybe a wide receiver. But a lot of this draft should be focused on the defense because uh, the offense, they, they were clicking. Uh, their line is solid. Their their wide receivers are in. I'll actually sneak peek. Uh, one of my top three needs is actually slot wide receiver because I think that um, – I think that uh, – Devin Funches is going to come in and have a career year this year, and they have T.Y. Hilton, obviously. So I wouldn't put it as like a a, a drop-dead need, but I think that slot wide receiver is up there for them, um, just like a little smaller guy, somebody that will go over the middle, catch uncontested balls. Um, but for the most part, a lot of this draft should be focused on the defense so they can be competing with teams like the Patriots and the Chiefs come January. Yeah, and I the defense was the – the uh, the weak link for the team as a whole, but I actually went the whole Indianapolis Colts roster, uh, the team itself, because Andrew Luck is finally healthy. The offensive line went from zero to hero, you know, allowed like the least amount of sacks. The defense had moments, and I think now it's the time for them to put the remaining pieces together and go win a championship. You know, Luck, he, he does have that injury scare, T.Y. is getting older, even though he still is young. He is getting older. And Ebron's going into a contract year, if I'm not mistaken. It's due to them having limited flaws, which 99% of them are on the defense, but this, which makes even more – puts more pressure on because his defensive class is so good. I think it's time for them to go out, get that de- those defensive pieces that they need, 
you are right. They do need another receiver just for simple pre- the simple principle of the matter is that Funches did sign a one-year approver deal, so there's no guarantee they'll have another guy across from TY next year. And uh, it, it's time for them just to go win a championship. I mean, you you got absolute steal steal in Darius Leonard. You somehow got that offensive line to become the best one in the league after basically getting Andrew Luck killed the majority of his career. It's it's it, the time is now for them to actually start beating up on these teams that are mediocre because I think right now they're they're built as we see this season they're built to beat up on the mediocre and bad teams and still and right now still be competitive with the really good teams the Patriots the Chiefs uh, even the Chargers and I think getting the the defensive pieces that they need but just put them over the top and I, I they got a window and the, the window's closing. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, which leads us into our ideal targets. I, I, I'd assume that yours is probably defensive side of the ball and, and mine is. So uh, my ideal target, uh, I mentioned two, even though we're only supposed to talk about one. Uh, it's Byron Murphy or DeAndre Baker. Um, the only reason I don't mention Greedy Williams is because I think that he goes to number 20 to Pittsburgh. Uh, so that basically leaves the other two most likely available. Um, trying to look between 20 and 26 where they draft. I mean, everybody could always use a cornerback, even even the, the top cornerback teams. Even Jacksonville could take a cornerback if they wanted to. Um, but, yeah, between 20 and 26, I, I, I don't really project any of them taking a cornerback, so that would most likely leave Byron Murphy and DeAndre Baker available. Uh, 26 is as good a spot as any to grab, grab a cornerback. Um, the good thing is that the trade last year that helped the Jets move up in the draft to pick Sam Darnold actually gives Indianapolis the second pick in the second round. So not much after they pick at 26, they're going to be picking again at number 33. Um, so they can, or 34. Uh, so they could definitely double down on some first round defensive talent, basically get two defensive studs um, within their first two picks. Yeah. And I, I like that. Me, I go in the trenches. I'm going Dexter Lawrence, the defensive tech out of Clemson. The Colts could use help in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Lawrence was a monster for us, an absolutely stacked Clemson defensive line, a two-time national champion. He's, um, you could arguably say he was the guy on that defense, and he, he can go after the quarterback, which we've talked about these quarterbacks, like you know Deshaun Watson. You, if he rolls out the pocket, you're going to need a guy that can go chase him. He can do that. He can stuff the run, and – it, the the guy seems like an ideal player who would mesh well. He wants to win. He, he and on top of everything, he brings in a winning attitude, which is a good thing for any club, especially when the Colts. The last few years, they haven't been that good. This year, they had a lot of success, but they still didn't win at all. So you can't really call them winners or championship players because they haven't won it. You know, Lawrence gives him a championship player. He has that mentality, that state of mind, especially coming off a national championship. What when the draft starts, it'd be what six months or, or four months. So he still has that attitude, and uh, you know from interviews I've I've seen uh, that I've watched him, he seems like he'd be he'd be a good uh, locker room guy. Yeah, no doubt, he's definitely a guy that I that I want Buffalo to pick. Um, he's I mean obviously we're we're in the market for a defensive tackle, and and I I hope and pray that he's there at number 40 when we pick but uh if if not some team whoever drafts him is get, is getting an excellent player uh my sleeper that i got and i kind of already uh kind of already gave it away 
earlier um, with mentioning that they need a slot wide receiver. Uh, I'm going with little Hunter Renfro, uh, the wide receiver out of Clemson. Uh, as I already mentioned, the Colts may want to look at another wide receiver. Um, this would be their perfect slot guy. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has the outside speed, and he's their number one. Devin Funches was signed to a big, lucrative contract, and he's their, uh, in quotes, big guy, but they, they need the slot guy. Uh, someone who will go over the middle, move the chains. Um, he's he's a little smaller in stature. Uh, he's basically a... He's a he's a smaller frame Julian Edelman, and any accurate quick release quarterback like Andrew Luck would welcome a guy like Hunter on their team. Uh, there are very few teams that I could see Renfro potentially being successful on, and the Colts is one of them. It's just I don't I know some people some people and especially like I know you are and and my buddy Mark is there. You guys are high on him. Um, I like him. I liked watching him play at Clemson, but it's I, I don't. I don't see a long NFL career for him unless he's in the right system. Um, and a team like a team like the Colts, um, even New England, even though Tom Brady, hopefully, knock on wood, doesn't have a lot of time left in this in, in this uh, in this league. But um, got teams like those that have those uh, those those type of quarterbacks where stand back in the pocket, uh, wait for something to develop, and, and just hit him in stride. That that would be the perfect place for Hunter and. And uh, that's why I got going as a sleeper for them. Yeah, and I I love Hunter Renfro. I mean, if he was six foot, six foot one, over two hundred pounds, we could potentially talk about him being a back of the end round one to round two guy. It's just he is small. He has small hands, but for somehow, for some way, the, the dude just catches everything. Uh, I I stayed receiver for sleeper, but I went and got the guy that could come in and be a fourth guy right now and potentially could place Funches if he does depart after the season. And that's uh, somebody you know very well. It's Anthony Johnson from University of Buffalo. The Colts have needed another outside option um, besides T.Y. Hilton for years. They haven't done They've tried, somewhat tried, haven't succeeded. They signed Funches, Funches, but that was only for a one-year deal. Grabbing you know, Johnson, who's six foot two, to pair with T.Y. for the foreseeable future, It'd be ideal for the Colts offense, Andrew Luck. Uh, he isn't a burner. That's like probably his biggest knock that he he won't burn guys, but that's why they have T.Y. Hilton for. But Johnson could be a reliable target in the middle of the field. He can carve out a very good career. I think a quarterback like Andrew Luck would do wonders for him. And right now with Johnson having around four and five grade on him, I think people are sleeping on him. I think the guy should be a second or third round guy because I do think he's going to produce and he's going to produce often. Um, he's a guy, Johnson is a guy I'd probably grab in Dynasty Leagues, maybe keep him on the bench this year, depending on what happens with Funches or any other situation that plan, uh, that pans out for the wide receiver options. Uh, but he's going, to be, he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. And I think a quarterback like Andrew Luck, a Phillip Rivers, a Tom Brady, a good quarterback is going to get the most of his potential. Yeah, it's nice to see that this is the second time that uh, Anthony Johnson has been on our list between these the three podcasts that we've done so far. Um, it's nice to see the Buffalo guys uh, getting some love. We haven't mentioned Tyree Jackson yet. Um, I'm sure his name is coming up. Um, I know I don't have him on, on this one, but um, I'm sure his name will be coming up soon. And then uh, I know Khalil Hodge has been mentioned and Anthony Johnson has been mentioned. So it's, it's, it's nice to see those guys getting some love. 
Our final team is the Houston Texans, your AFC South division-winning Houston Texans, uh, who actually lost to the Colts in the first round of the playoffs, wild card round, twenty-one to seven. But uh, they do have; they got a strong team. Um, they're probably going to be back competing for it again this year. Um, let's have you start out with uh, your guy first. Well, uh, the guy I picked isn't because his his job's in in jeopardy or anything. I picked Deshaun Watson because I believe. It might be stressful, but I believe his career is in jeopardy. For some reason, is he got sacked 62 times last year, 65 if you count the postseason. We've seen what these same Houston Texans did to David Carr. Um, now, granted, Watson has more talent than what Carr did, but any quarterback that is just constantly getting hit, they're not going to be able to learn the game or further learn the game because they're not getting time to read throws uh, read defenses better. They're they're not gonna have time to do nothing because they're constantly getting hit. Watson does, you know, he he has a prior knee injury, and Houston can't keep letting him take, you know, their franchise guy take all these hits, especially you know as we said, th- there's some guys in this in this division that can just go after a quarterback and really put a hit on them, and they don't want to to risk their franchise guy with further injury. Uh, they need to get him some protection. They need to find another wide receiver option just for the fact. They do have DeAndre Hopkins, but I'll mention it in a little bit is there's injury concerns behind Hopkins. Um, they don't have the – their their tight end group won't wow you. They got a bunch of guys I think are average. It's for me and for those reasons, it's it's Watson just because it would – the guy has the talent, in the, all the talent in the world. So if he were to – not secede further when the Super Bowls, when playoff games, it would be due to the lack of him actually having time to play quarterback because he has to run for his life. When you started off, you're talking about uh, a guy that has his job in jeopardy. I thought you were going to be talking about the guy that I'm going to be talking about. Um, And that is, I got Bill O'Brien, the head coach. Uh, O'Brien, he's entering his sixth season. And between regular season and playoffs, he is only two games above 500. And in three of those seasons, the Texans have won the division with uh, two of them with nine and seven records. And then last year, uh, they won with a 11 and five record. But they've honestly, it's it's most of it's been against rather weak division. So it, it's one of those things where, hey, somebody has to win. Um, and as we all know, coaching longevity in this league is very rare. And even though he did sign a four-year extension last January um, in 2018. He he needs to turn the page and bring the team to the next level. He's uh, he I, I, he is a good coach. Um, he definitely is a uh, definitely is a guy that I would want um, behind my bench, so to speak. I'm using a hockey term there, but uh, he is he, he knows he's he's a player's coach, and the players seem to like him. Um, but overall, the Texans, they do have a good team uh, with arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Uh, Bill O'Brien and company need to fill a couple minor holes, and this team could definitely compete with the best of the league, your your Colts, your Patriots, your Chiefs. Um, so I got Bill O'Brien. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, I thought about him a lot. I even wrote a whole thing about him too, and I'm just like, you know what, I have to go watch it just for some reason is – he keeps getting all this, all these hits on him. His career is gonna be a lot shorter than what he wanted it to be. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, who do you got for your ideal target? My ideal target is 
the Kansas City or the Kansas State offensive lineman Dalton Risner. He's he grabbed some offensive help. Should be the focus for Houston this year. They need to retool the whole line, and Risner is an ideal fit as he can play numerous positions up front. He's probably the most versatile guy in the dra- or offensive lineman in the draft. I think he'll do well at you know either one of the tackle positions. I believe he'll be well at offensive guard. I think he can, you know, he has played center in college. So I do believe he could hold up as a center. But uh, the focus, I think, if they drafted him, they would put him at guard. And basically he would be a an emergency option for if one of their main guys went down on the offensive line and they felt that he'd be better moving over the tackle or he'd be better taking over the center position than whoever else is currently on their depth chart or who's on the depth chart once the season starts. Yeah, and I, uh, I would have guessed that you, I would have guessed that you were going to go offensive line, and I, I'm sure you guessed that I'm going offensive line. I'm going with Garrett Bradbury, uh, the center out of North Carolina State. Um, you've already mentioned it. Watson's been sacked 65 times last year, including the playoffs. Uh, so this draft is very important that the Texans address the offensive line early and often. Um, with with how high they pick in the draft or low, they pick in the draft, however you want to word it. Jawan Taylor and Jonah Williams are probably going to be off the board. And once Houston is up, this this class is pretty strong with offensive linemen across the board, uh, interior linemen, even the tackles outside of Jawan Taylor and Jonah Williams. I know you said that Jawan Taylor is kind of in a league of his own and then the rest of, the rest of the guys, but um, personally, I think that the, the tackle uh, position is is pretty strong. It's it's pretty deep, and then the interior offensive line, the and even the swing guys, the guys that can play guard and center, there, um, it's 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 deep. Um, so, uh, Bradbury fits nicely as the middleman, and he's the first person to touch the ball on every single snap, uh, every single offensive play. So, I got Garrett Bradbury. He kind of just goes in there, and uh, hopefully, if he if he's taken, he he starts from week one. Yeah, I like that too because he's also has some vers- uh, versatility to him. He can play guard if needed, and I, I believe that whatever offensive lineman that they do take, because they're going to take more than one, I do believe that they're all going to have some sort of versatility to them. I do believe they'll take. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. At, you know, I, I, at least two guys that could play more than just the one spot on the line, just because we see it every year. Quite a few teams have to constantly go. Like you've seen in Buffalo, I've seen in Detroit, is you constantly have to put you know take guys out of your lineup due to injury, um, due to them just not playing well, and you have to slide in somebody else and mix and match. And that's something that uh, I think Texas, the Houston might do until they can at least get a solid lineup in front of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, are you going with um, are you going with offensive line for your sleeper too, or you got a different position? I'm going offense with uh, our excellent offensive weapon for my sleeper. I'm going uh, Gary Jennings, the wide receiver from West Virginia. He's uh, outside of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Nuke. There's a bunch of question marks. Fuller and Kiki Cordy, I think, are two guys that, if healthy, they could be legitimate. You could be looking at, like, a top three or, like, the best, if not one of the best wide receiver cores in in the league. I mean – we we've seen Fuller how he he was phenomenal at times last season. He just couldn't stay healthy. Kiki Cordy could really never get it going. It's too much due to injury. The times he did play, it was you know he did play well. I think he has a bright future. But Hopkins can't do it by himself. I mean, if those two guys go down, 
which we've seen in some games, they've both either A, has been injured at the, you know, at the same time and not played at all, or they've got injured in the same games. And then it's Hopkins, Demarius Thomas, and then who else? Demarius Thomas is there no more. They need to get some extra extra help for that uh, wide receiving core. Jennings is a guy who can stretch the field, and he can win contested catches. He'll thrive in the slot. So, you know, you got a guy that can line up in the slot. You got Nuke on the outside. who he, We already know he can do his damage. Arguably, wide receiver one in the league. Um, and then Fuller, who is a slot guy, too. They, they put him on the outside a little bit. Kiki can also be a slot guy. But those guys, and Jennings as well, all have the ability to play outside if needed, which I think if they end up drafting Jennings, you have him locked in. If everybody's healthy, you have him locked in at the slot and just lit Watson, Nuke, Jennings do the damage. It's funny. For a team that is so close, and, and I believe they are close, um, I and they do need wide receiver. I actually don't have wide receiver in their top three, which means I have three other needs for them that uh, – that they could use outside a wide receiver. But before I get into that, my sleeper, uh, Sheldrick Redwine, uh, the safety out of Miami. Um, they've, I mean, Houston does have a strong defense, uh, but the honey badger, Tyron Matthew, is his time in Houston was short-lived and it's over with. Uh, and that leaves a gaping hole on the back end of the defense. Uh, during Redwine's time at Miami, he didn't really rack up a lot of interceptions. Um, he had five to be exact, but he was a tackling machine. And that's that's good news for any coach knowing that your last line of defense can track down the ball carrier. He also ran a four 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 forty. Uh I had to slow that down so I didn't mess that up uh yeah. time. So he could uh, so his speed and his uh knack for tackling is, is will come in handy, even if he's starts out his career as like a special teams player. He did say he did play some special teams in college, um, either like a gunner or, uh, or even a, a returner. Um, his speed definitely is one of his strong points. Um, but he is I'm not saying that he would come in and, and replace, uh, honey badger. Cause, uh, that he's that, that player's uh, a hard guy to replace, but, uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. And, and I think that's a very good actual, that might be one of the best actual sleeper picks we've had since we've been doing this because he is a guy that's not getting a lot of attention, uh, but a guy that can be very serviceable and w- in due time, he could end up turning out to be a very solid starter down the road. Yeah, no doubt. His, his uh, scouting report uh, that I've read has um, a lot of good things to say about him. Uh, one of our guys in on the Fantasy Football Fraternity page uh, is a huge uh, Hurricanes fan, so he's he knows a lot about a lot about him. Um, I'm, I'm sure he'll be doing a scouting report on, on him sometime soon. Uh, but getting into my top three needs, as I mentioned, wide receiver is not one of them. Uh, I have offensive line. Uh, obviously, we know that from all the sacks that uh, Watson took last year. Uh, I got safety. Got to replace that. Uh, t- uh, Tyron Matthew on the back end. And then I got running back. Um, haven't really talked about them or running back for the Texans, uh, but they got Lamar Miller there. They got Dante Foreman there, but it's nobody, nobody back there really scares you. And I know Lamar Miller did have a fairly decent year last year. Um, and he's, he's always been a, he's always been a good back, but he's not, he hasn't been a great back uh, in Miami. He was, he was okay in Houston. He's been okay. Um, he kind of 
I think that if he didn't have the kind of year that he had last year, they we'd be talking about running back a little bit more for them. Uh, so he kind of saved his job, I think. Um, but his he he's not gonna he's not gonna be there forever, and he's not gonna be. Um, He's not going to be even their number one forever. So, uh, running back is is my sleeper top three need that they need. Yeah, I do like I do like that too because Foreman, uh, they did basically bring him in from what what I assumed. I, I listened to basically after the draft and basically all throughout the year. I listened to basically every coaching comp or press conference there is, um, just because I'm a nerd like that. But I assumed that he was coming in to eventually replace Miller, but he he hasn't been healthy. And Miller, I think Miller's a guy that they rather have. I, I, I think he would thrive more in a committee, even though we can't say that about a lot of guys. Um, but it's, Miller is like, I think the ideal running back to have in a committee just for some reason is he is a good back. He isn't, he's effective. It's just, he's not that he doesn't have the skill set of a Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon, uh, LaShawn McCoy, you know, he, he doesn't have that skill set and he's not that type of player, but he's the type of player. If you go and you split with, um, you go and say, for instance, they drafted Josh Jacobs, that would be our, a one, two punch. I would love to watch because I think both of those guys bring a little bit of a, uh, even though they both are like Josh Jacobs is a more all around player than what Miller is. And I think that would they, you know, with one of them do okay, the other one does better, and they offset each other. And I, honestly, if when Miller was a free agent after the Miami days, I was kind of hoping that he was going to come to Detroit. I don't be- remember. I don't believe we actually even had him in for a visit or anything. But I was I was a fan of his because I just thought, well, you know, we want to do the committee thing, and he's that guy for a committee. I mean, some guys are meant to be superstars. Some guys are just meant to to be a part of a, a team, you know, a committee and, and do damage. Uh, but I, I didn't have running back as one of my three needs. I would probably consider that four maybe. I went offensive line as a whole, safety, and then at three, wide receiver. And I think if the wide receiver stayed healthy, it, wasn't, it wouldn't be in this conversation. I mean, there's three very talented wide receivers on that roster and it's just two of them can't stay healthy. I mean, for Watson to secede, even though, you know, Hopkins, he can, he, he can go and deal with them double coverages, triple coverages, just like, you know, a Kelvin Johnson could. The only thing is, so he can't do it forever. He can't keep doing it because eventually they will lock you down. And that's a game you would end up potentially losing. Yeah. It seems like uh, we have, we got the same top four needs, just in a different order. Um, so we're on the same page there. Um, we got one more, one more AFC episode coming up. That's going to be coming up within the next couple of days. Uh, the AFC West, and that's going to be a really fun one. Um, just thinking about it right now, I haven't haven't really started doing any uh, doing any writing down about it yet. But um, I am excited about it. Just I think Oakland themselves just make that just is going to make that podcast fun uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to looking forward to recording that one with you um we've got the uh obviously we got the chiefs who just 
were just scoring points at will last year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes coming off his 50 touchdown season. Uh, so, I mean, what can we possibly see that they need better? Uh, the obvious answer is defense, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Antonio Brown with Oakland. That's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, the Chargers, who just one of those teams that always seems to have a good regular season, but just, I mean, Phillip Rivers can't really get over the hump, and you know, we're going to try to break that down. So up next, we got the AFC West. Um, for anybody that wants to listen to a, another podcast coming up within the next couple of days, I am actually recording after this one um, with uh, my buddy Mark, uh, Nickel City Sportscast, and we're going to be going over a uh, strictly Buffalo Bills mock draft that we did. Uh, a full seven-round mock draft. The computer picked the other 31 teams we picked for the Bills, and so we're going to be breaking down each pick there. Um, just overall, the draft was. I'd be I'd be 100% happy with the draft if this is how the Bills end up coming out with it. Um, but it's uh, so we're going to break that down for you as far as what we have on on our page. We have um, we got a contest coming up. We already touched on that last episode. And we have the rest of the we have the whole NFC division to break down. So we're going to be doing that next week. We want to get these out before the actual draft. Um, we have we have our seven round mock draft that we did uh, full seven round mock draft. Um, trying to figure out what we're, we're going to do with that. At the very least, we're we're at least going to post the post the spreadsheet for you because I don't want that to go to waste at all. But uh, trying to get the other two guys on so we could actually do a podcast about it and go over those picks. Uh, Adam, you got anything you want to touch on? No, just stay tuned for the rest of the draft previews. And, uh, and then probably more towards the season, we'll end up having actual uh, season previews. So, I mean, we, we got a lot of stuff coming. Uh, we're really not taking any downtime. We'll have pods. Right now, I know we're kind of jamming in a lot of pods, but with us being a new bro, uh, a new podcast, we've got a lot of ideas just recently, and so we have to cram some things in. But we're, we're going to be at, around at least once a week from now until – probably July and then once camps open up and stuff, probably some more. So you'll be hearing a lot from us in the next, uh, basically from now until next, next Super Bowl. So stick around, like, subscribe, share, uh, comment, leave the, uh, any, any guy, anything you guys want to hear, want us to discuss because right now we just do this and, uh, Whatever news we think is newsworthy, we talk about. But if there's something you guys want to want us to discuss, we're more than happy to do it. Just let us know.